Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Matt was just calling out here on the IN screen, uh, the Bloomberg Index browser. Bloomberg, U.S. corporate total return value year to date, minus 14.6%. Treasuries, too, minus 14.8%. I mean, what's going on out and there? And that does include, that's total return. So not that it would have mattered. Because uh, the coupons are so low. Well yes. Um, but it's harsh. And look, my mom and dad just retired this, like, month. And uh, <laughs> I feel for them. Yep. I guess I'm going to have to step up. Sure. Because they're broke now. <laughs> yeah, you know? they're not broke. All right, Liz McCormick, Global Fixed Income and Foreign Exchange Reporter, joins us live here in a Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. So, Liz, again, th these are numbers. These are performance numbers. You know, your friends in the fixed income market have ever seen? Never seen? Yeah, I mean, some of the data, how you splice and dice it, is like at least the worst first half in kind of modern times, call it. I was mentioning to Matt that Deutsche Bank had some great data back to the 1700s, like how bad it was. I mean, people just aren't, most people aren't used to this kind of beating up in bonds. You know? I mean, do people in fixed income, do they try to call the bottom like we hear equity was there investors try to call the bottom? Yeah, and this is where I feel like I see the same dichotomy going on as you guys are talking all about in stocks. You know, is this like a, a bear rally? Is it over? Same thing in bonds. People saying, oh, we've seen the peak in yields. You know, all the Fed pricing uh, for hikes is in there. The worst is over. And then other people saying, hmm, wait a minute. You know, like 3.5 on the 10-year was the highest we've seen. But, like, listen, you know, I've been around for a while. Like the folks at Bridgewater have said to me a few times, we think rates could go a lot higher. Ten-year could go to 4% or more. You know, Fed has just got a lot more tightening to do. So there is these battles, I think, in both a asset classes. You know, uh, we'll see who wins in the end, right? Maybe next year sometime. Right. I met a guy over the weekend, uh, 83 years old, fascinating guy, and he watches and listens to us every day. He trades bonds every night. So at, at the end of the day, he'll make a trade, put on a position, and then the next wow. day— no one, nobody does that, right? Nobody does that. My father, who I've been doing this for so long, still says to me, can you explain to me again what a bond is? You know what I mean? I'm all like, the bond traders I know, uh, all the guys I know who worked uh, in firms on the street have long since retired or quit. Right, exactly. I remember my old boss, Ward McCarthy, saying years back when there was yield, yep. saying I bought, you know, zero coupons ages ago, and that put my kids through college. You know, like <laughs> it used to be such great rates, and those are just gone. You know? Well, actually, Scott Miner did say he's buying the strips, right? Yep. right? 20 years, yep. uh, which is um, kind of jargony, but I guess that's 
when you strip out the coupon, uh, you can trade um, the maturities, and then you can also trade the each uh, due date of the coupon. It's like a bullet, you know? It's it's just like a single coupon, in a sense, just what you get at the end. But yeah, they're stripping, and I saw that. And we'll see. I mean, if we're in this era that we're never going to get rates too high again, which I'm not sure I buy into yet, people who bought strips or locked in tens at over 3% are going to be pretty happy if, you know, here we're, you know, in a couple of years, the Fed's fighting in a recession, cutting rates again. Is that, by the way, kind of a consensus that the Fed is going to raise rates high enough to fight inflation because they now they have to that's they're locked in and not only is it one of their actual mandates but and then we're gonna have a recession in 2023 and they're gonna have to cut right back down again well i would say like the timing of the recession gets nebulous a lot of people say late 2023 i've heard a few say maybe that there's enough cash in the system corporations are much better it could be 2024 but i think in general matt you're right that it's fast up Mm -hmm. front loaded quick and then the fed is going to have to eventually not too long be cutting rates again because (laughs) they're trying to manage and like powell said he's gone from you know like soft landing soft dish to saying well you know we we could have a slow you know he's trying but you know you raise rates this fast and i know there's not a lot of floating rate debt out there but I have a home equity line of credit, yep. and I was like, oh, they raised that rate pretty darn fast. You yeah. know what I mean? So and not only that, um, uh, Joel Levington wrote a piece about the automakers. Now, they're facing a $145 billion wall of debt. And it's not like, uh, you know, they can just hold it. Right. They're, they're constantly rolling yeah, over. Right. So now they're going to look at yep. 250, 300 basis points of increased cost this by the way adds to inflation because yep. they've got to pass that along to the customer yeah but uh it's it's tough for for companies as well yeah i think everyone you're going to feel this very quickly now the fed said we're we're really watching financial conditions which is kind of nebulous you know how tight do they have to get you know not just what's the hard rate the fed funds has to get to but that's what they're watching how does this filter through look at mortgage rates over six percent you know they seem like so low for so long the housing market hasn't imploded yet but for once not that i'm looking to buy but you (laughs) see on zillow finally price reduction we didn't see that forever so i think it's going to or no sale i know people who wanted to sell and now they can't so they got to rent yeah well (laughs) and and you know what rents are crazy right going up in price the you know lease is up i've heard so many people complaining oh the landlord's putting up my rent 25 the rent is too damn high the rent is too damn high so if you move is that another reason to move to austin texas or i don't think uh pricing is good in austin Texas. i don't think it is either especially you don't get special rates because it's texas so where do you have to go columbus ohio uh, it's a great place to live and very affordable. And See? the people are just wonderful. And they play and football. No right? accent. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the only place in the country where there's absolutely no regional accents. They use people from the great state of Ohio often for newscasters. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. And Matt Miller, case in point. Wow. All right, Liz McCormick, thanks so much for joining us. Liz McCormick, she covers all things global fixed income, foreign exchange reporter. She does it all uh, for Bloomberg News. And most important, she is in the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio today, so we appreciate that. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. 
Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Powers' 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Matt, our next guest is all in the state of Wisconsin. PhD in economics from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, JD from Marquette, and an undergrad in finance from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. We gotta get, get this guy out of state once in a while. I mean, he's all in. He's also a part-time instructor at Marquette. Uh, Dr. Brian Jacobson, senior investment strategist, Allspring Global Investments. So Brian, you don't mind the winters in Wisconsin? Uh, you know, I mean, life is all about trade-offs, and <laughs> I guess that's just the trade-off you have to make for living in the land of milk and honey, or I guess milk and sausage, or milk and cheese. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish this market was all about trade-offs. Yes. It seems like no matter what you own, you're down. I mean, I guess if you if you if you just had oil, some commodi- yeah, if you had some commodities, you're okay. So, Brian, you know, one of the things that people start talking about, I well, maybe I'm, we're just hearing it a little bit more over the last few weeks is. Trying to find a bottom uh, in these markets, is that an exercise you go through? And if so, kind of what do you look for? How, how are you trading this market here? Well, you know, I, sometimes it feels like uh, my workouts, you know, an exercise in futility. Um, and I think that, you know, trying to find the bottom is always going to be difficult because the market seems to be there to frustrate the expectations and ambitions of everybody. Um, but it does feel like we're trying to find a bottom. And since, you know, we can't pick one, we just have to, I think, take a look at the broad uh, thrust of the market. And it seems like some of the indicators are suggesting we're trying to find one here. Now, who knows? Is it 3,900? Is it 3,600? Is it even lower than that? But all we know is that things look cheaper now than what they did back in uh, on January 3rd when we were at the peak. And so I think for longer term investors, for that kind of structural part of your portfolio, the strategic part, um, it does suggest to us that there's some long term opportunities, even if there could be some short term pain here. It's all about those trade offs, right? That long term gain, maybe a little bit more short term pain. Do you go uh, do you go in for the traditional defensives? Um, you know, I can't, can't imagine you're buying utilities, but uh, consumer staples mm-hmm. or um, healthcare. Healthcare. Yeah, you know, uh, so we just published our the All Spring uh, Mid Year Outlook, and uh, the theme was rolling with change. And I think that what is defensive now, you need to really kind of change the way you think about it because of that interest rate sensitivity, right? Utilities do tend to be much more interest rate sensitive than, say, consumer staples. Both are traditionally viewed as being more defensive. It's just one has a higher loading on rate risk than the other. And so actually, we are overweight consumer staples as somewhat of a 
not necessarily a bearish view, but as a, a bit more of a defensive view on the markets, at least here in the short term. I do have to say, though, we are warming up to areas like financials or home builders, those parts that have sold off uh, pretty substantially here or haven't performed as you would have expected. Uh, just given the Fed's uh, change in stance, uh, you know, looking at uh, this upcoming earnings season. So I think July 15th ish is when it kicks off. You know, we look at inflation X food and energy. Well, what's earnings X energy? Um, it's possible that it would be a negative 3% year on year, just excluding that one sector. So, you know, it seems like there's a lot of areas that there's some decent opportunities if you focus on uh, looking for maybe the parts that have been beaten down the most, but still have decent fundamentals that can pull you through this. Yeah, Brian, I'm glad you mentioned earnings because we're going to switch into that uh, earnings mode very soon. Give us a sense of kind of how you're thinking about valuation for these markets. Some people are suggesting that it's, you know, obviously a lot more attractive than it was at the beginning of the year from a valuation perspective, but is it cheap? How do you think about that? Yeah, no one's really pulled earnings forecast down, at least not dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a, a puzzling thing as to why we haven't seen the earnings forecast come down. And I think that's why people can make the argument that, well, just the price decline, it's just that things are cheaper now. Uh, the problem is, is I think the market is saying that the fundamentals have also declined. Right. So it's uh, yes, things are cheaper based on price, but maybe it's also cheaper based on value uh, if the value has declined in tandem. And when we like interest rate adjust some of your typical market multiples, you know, we've seen uh, the P.E. come down, but at the same time, yields have gone up. And so it's been almost a bit of a wash from that pure market multiple perspective. And as a result, the way that we're trying to position things is be a little bit more just broadly diversified. And then within each one of the sectors, work with some of our tremendous teams like uh, Ann Maletti. She's the head of our fundamental equity teams there. Huge the ones fan. who are trying to identify value there. Yeah. And so here at All Springs, you know, we're very fortunate to have her and her team here to try to identify some of those areas within each sector about who might have that uh, quality of earnings to kind of cut through some of these cyclical headwinds that we might be facing. By, by the way, uh, Brian, just got about 30 seconds here, but I see you like China and it strikes me that they're kind of going the other direction or they haven't, you know, been in a situation where inflation is high and they're raising rates. They've still got to come out of lockdown. Is that kind of a reopening play? It really is. Yeah, I would think sentiment shifted so much uh, so negatively against them. Uh, who knows how long we'll hold on to it. But we do like China relative to the U.S. They got the fiscal impulse, monetary stimulus and now the reopening. We think that could bode well for them. All right, Brian. Great, great stuff. Always appreciate getting some of your thoughts here. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Senior Investment Strategist, Allspring Global Investments. Uh, they are all in Wisconsin. I mean, I'm talking about it. Uh, Marquette, that's a Milwaukee. Wait, is, stuff Ann, is Ann in Wisconsin she too? She is, yeah. They they all started, or a lot of them started there uh, at Strong Funds, which is a big was a big mutual fund uh, out there in suburban Milwaukee. It was a must Go to visit if you were sell side equity analyst. You had to go out and see the good. So folks you've been strong. to Wisconsin? Oh, a million times. Ah. A million times. It's a it's a great money market town. Great money market town. There's lots of uh, good folks there managing institutional money. Well, when you think about one of uh, the great success stories in the U.S. in terms of the growth of 
you know, certain cities, certain metroplexes around the country, Atlanta's got to be at the top of your list. It's just been such a great growth story for so long. So many great companies like Delta Airlines and Home Depot and, and so on and so forth. They hosted the, the Olympics. Uh, just a great success story. And so, of course, we need to put some numbers around that. And when you, you want to do that, you go to Shinpei of Bloomberg News and Matt Winkler, who is editor-in-chief emeritus and founder of Bloomberg News, to kind of put some numbers around that, put some context around that. And they certainly have Matt Winkler joins us here in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. So, Matt, Atlanta, Georgia, what's the key, one of the key takeaways from your perspective as, as you looked at the data as to why Atlanta has been such a good success story? So it goes back to 1974. Maynard Jackson became the first black mayor of any city, major city in the South. And he had two very big uh, initiatives that stand the test of time. One was massive public works, which included the renovation of the airport that okay. is the busiest in the world. Wow. Uh, and has been renamed with his name on it because of that renovation. Uh, he also initiated a rail line that goes from one end of the city to the other, so everybody can get from here to there without okay. any difficulty. But the other major thing was he wanted to make sure Atlanta would be forever diverse. And with Atlanta being today uh, the second largest black majority um, city in the United States, um, he initiated a, it was persuasion, really, uh, requirement that everybody hire at least 30% of their workforce uh, from the black com local community. Mm -hmm. And uh, that also stood the test of time. So today, uh, when you look at business in Atlanta, it is diverse. Uh, and in fact, Atlanta is really more diverse than any other city that way. And so those two things, if you like, uh, infrastructure, public works, and diversity have combined to make Atlanta um, the best performing city right now mm. uh, in the United States. And we know that because we have these credit measures that uh, show that Atlanta liabilities are falling, personal incomes going up, and, uh, and so um, are uh, so many other measures of performance for the city. So uh, it's going in the right direction. Is anyone else um, taking note? Are other mayors uh, looking at this as a template for what they can do in their cities, especially in you know cities that have historically have had problems like Chicago or Baltimore? Well, um, I can't say I've done the grand city tour <laughs> of late, uh, partly because of uh, COVID nineteen, um, you know, impediments. But um, you know, I was in Boston last week uh, catching up with another uh, new mayor. Uh, uh, Michelle Wu and uh, mentioned Atlanta and she got excited and she said we like what we see down there so um, it is it is an exemplar there's no question about it it's interesting Matt just thinking about the success story of Atlanta which has been generations in the making you think about just in the pandemic how we've seen you know a migration of people in this country to other similar type cities, whether it's a Nashville or Charlotte or certainly Miami in a, on a greater scale. How did Atlanta deal with the pandemic? Did, was there anything unique there or were they hit as well as anybody and are trying to recover as well as anybody? They had the same issues of every other city. Yep. Um, and uh, they also had, you know, the, uh, if you like, the polarized politics, because as you know, Georgia 
is in fact politically led by Republican legislature and governor, and Atlanta um, is, as I said, has been Democrat since, uh, well, going all the way back in time, really, but it's been black Democrat. And uh, they don't agree on a lot of big issues, and they certainly uh, had uh, difficulty dealing with the pandemic, having to do with things like masking and, you know, when businesses were going to be open and schools and everything else. So every city has had those issues. Uh, probably Atlanta had to contend with a much more difficult political um, agenda, but uh, Atlanta being Atlanta, it managed to, you know, deal with these difficulties and deal with them successfully to the extent that, you know, it's a, uh, uh, a bastion of uh, diversity and will probably yeah. continue to be so. I couldn't believe it when uh, they tried to make it illegal to pass out bottles of water to like single mothers in lines to vote. <laughs> what, a, what a mean-spirited thing to do. Uh, they generate, I think you said two-thirds of the GDP for Georgia. Is it possible that Atlanta could pick two-thirds of the congressional representatives? <laughs> no, we're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. But look, Atlanta was the reason that uh, Georgia, for the first time in 30 years, went for a Democrat in the White House. Uh, that's Fulton and DeKalb County, those two counties, which account for Atlanta. And, uh, you know, it's the reason that uh, the senators from uh, Georgia are also Democrat. And it's the reason that, you know, we see all these stories of companies leaving Illinois mm -hmm. to go yep. um, to Texas and other states, but companies headquartered in Atlanta are very happy. I know from, um, you know, the companies I cover, Porsche absolutely loves being there, but then they have much bigger, famous uh, corporations that are happy and not leaving, right? Correct. Um, you know, in fact, uh, you mentioned uh, at the outset Delta and Home Depot. Uh, those are the two, those two companies are the best performing in their global industries. You know, if you look at uh, Delta, uh, every which way you look at it, Delta is the best airline uh, from a market perspective or investment perspective in the world. And if you look at Home Depot, uh, you know, look at their sales performance. It's, it's really the same thing. Home Depot does better than any other company. So, uh, yes, they're very happy where they are. Uh, ha happy is a relative term, but, um, yeah, where they're situated is, is, uh, is good for them, particularly because the airport, uh, and that's really probably the best part of this, is that the Atlanta airport has come out of COVID-19 um, performing better than any other airport in the world. Uh, it's And the biggest airport in the world, I didn't know that before I read this. I figured... In terms of traffic, yeah. O'Hare or yeah. Charles de Gaulle. Um, uh, I just want to quickly get your take on, or point out that Georgia surely must be one of the trigger states, right? And we had this... The, uh, uh, you know, two really emotional days, I think, for the whole country on Thursday and Friday because of the Supreme Court. Um, what are we hearing from companies about how they're going to deal, deal with this? Well, what you've heard so far, and we've reported this at Bloomberg uh, pretty extensively, which is that uh, while companies have not, for the most part, been explicit in condemning the Supreme Court decision, what they have done instead is say publicly that they will do whatever it takes to pay for the reproductive care 
of their uh, employees. In other words, they will do whatever it takes to enable employees wherever yeah. they are in any of these states where mm. um, uh, you know, abortion is suddenly impossible or right. illegal or both. Uh, yep. They'll take care of it. All right, Matt. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Matt Winkler, Bloomberg News. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Here's some data for you. Since 1980, the U.S. alone has sustained 323 weather and climate disasters. And by the end of this century, the U.S. government predicts $2 trillion per year in damages from hurricanes, wildfires, floods, droughts, severe storms, or earthquakes. The question is, is there a way to take advantage of the disaster recovery efforts out there? Well, you guessed it. There's an ETF for that. Andrew Chain, and CEO of Procure AM, joins us. Uh, Andrew, talk to us about an ETF that may benefit from you know, recovery efforts for disasters. First off, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. And uh, yeah, we're thrilled to talk about FEMA. It's our latest ETF from Procure. We launched this just on June 1st. And realizing the, the various trends in climate change and the, the devastating and financial devastation that many of these uh, natural disasters and even man-made and man-enhanced disasters can cause, to us it made sense to create a fund that focused on these companies that are helping us with recovery, mitigation, prevention, and the companies that help us in our, in our times when we need them the most. It's one of those ideas where when you hear it, you're like, yes, oh, yeah, of course. it's about time. Why did it take us so long? So talk to us about the holdings that are in it. Yeah, so it's, it's a wide range. It's a global basket. We have currently 62 companies from around the world in this fund. So you look back at the, te- the Texas uh, freeze that we had a little over a year ago, and when the system went down, people were scrambling for generators. So a company like Generac is in the fund, and they help with you know, remote power generation. Those are sweet. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And you look at uh, you know, when you have Hurricane Sandy or events like the, uh, the Horizon oil spill down in the Gulf, 
and you know, typically dredging or the rebuilding of dunes and protective barriers are extremely important. You have a company like Great Lakes Dredge and Dock that you know, repaired, I, I believe, uh, 12 or more miles of the New Jersey coastline um, and helped build up sand, uh, sand heights uh, in the Gulf during the oil spill. So you have companies that help with that. You have construction, you have engineering firms, you have waste management, treatment, water management, water treatment, um, and so many other influential companies that help us in events like wildfires, floods, earthquakes, even droughts. And this is something that is a global phenomenon. You mentioned the $2 trillion figure that the U.S. government expects by the end of this century to the U.S. budget alone. That's roughly $5.5 billion per day from the U.S. budget alone. That doesn't include what global efforts are occurring overseas. That doesn't include what companies and individuals will have Mm. to pay to protect and recover. So this is truly a remarkable industry and one that we believe we helped quantify um, by developing FEMA. By, by the way, I don't want to take us too far off base, but when you see, like Generac is one of those products when when a guy like looks over the fence and sees that his neighbor oh, got yeah. one, you're like super jealous. Yeah. And the new Generac, I think, are these bi-directional EVs. You just test drove the Ford F-150, yep. which will essentially do the same thing, right? It's going to power your house yep. if and when the power goes down. We got our Generac three weeks before Superstorm oh. Sandy hit. Of course hit. you had one. We had people... In our house, I didn't even know they were staying with us for days. I was, found myself walking a crying baby at like 3 o'clock in the morning around my house to try to calm him. I'm like, I don't even know who this, who this kid is. But they work. Those Generacs work. A- a- Andrew, uh, talk to me quickly about the ETF business at a broader level. You offer other products, obviously. I, I usually talk to you about space and stuff like that. Um, as we see this market downturn, it, it has been brutal. Um, how does that affect ETF trading? Yeah, you know, you know, sometimes volatility, you know, brings a lot of volume to the market. Sometimes people are in a, a wait and see position and aren't ready to allocate new capital to either new ideas or existing ideas, and they're trying to figure out, um, you know, where the next trade may be or where they want to to be overweight in. And so, um, you know, we've had some pretty violent moves in the market over these last, you know, many weeks, and you know, for for the bulk of 2022. Um, you know, sometimes you see those big moves and people use those as times to, to reposition or reallocate and you see volumes you know, really surge. Sometimes people say, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. And certainly in the summer, the old adage in sell a May and go away, um, you know, not always the case, but, you know, some volumes have been have been depressed. But you know, there's always some interest in certain areas in the market where you'll see those volumes pick up. So, so you know, typically those could be good indicators for, for what people are looking at. So is this... Uh... Is this the second ETF you're launching? You have UFO, right? Um, is FEMA the second one? Under the Procure brand, exactly. What's next? You know, it's, uh, it's a question we, we always receive. Um, you know, lots of times it's industries or themes that are near and dear to me. Um, you know, I, I was down in New Orleans at university during Hurricane Katrina. Um, I was, uh, you know, in New York City during Sandy and the storms that we just had last year. Um, you know, a lot of ideas that I bring out are things that you know, play to some of my own fears and looking for exposures and ways to potentially protect myself. So you know, we're always looking for first to market concepts, typically thematic global equity is how we how we bring those strategies out. And FEMA was 
uh, you know, an area that seemed completely underserved and one that, you know, could totally. be of interest to, to many investors. So, totally. It makes sense. Um, yeah, now, look, look for innovation. Now, now UFO, you've been, uh, I assume you've been hit by the whole, um, well, the Fed's raising rates, take some frothiness out of the market. Everybody looks at ARK and they're like, why did we ever buy that? You know, um, but but you're investing in space and the things that we're going to need to use in space, make in space, get from space. I have to assume that is not going away just because uh, the Fed starts raising rates. Well, you can even look at just in the last few weeks various government contracts that have been awarded to numerous space companies. And you know, historically in the early days, space was almost entirely funded by governments and government agencies. That number has dropped to roughly 20%. Uh, in recent years with commercial space really being the driver. So we're seeing a, a ton of demand and with the Ukraine invasion, we're learning how important space is and to be able to have redundancies, capabilities, defensive and offensive capabilities from a government, from a military standpoint. And these are things that are in real time driving the space industry. So while maybe people, not as many people can afford space tourism, that's a really small part of the space economy. The other parts, the main drivers like communications, broadband, internet, uh, connectivity, um, you know, the things that benefit our lives here on Earth uh, are things that, that are still seeing some tremendous demand. So it's a, on a company-by-company company basis. Not necessarily every company is going to be a winner, but using diversification can hopefully provide you to, to many of those companies that are generating space revenues from around the world. All right, Andrew, good stuff as always. Andrew Chainin, CEO of Procure AM. They've got a new ETF out, FEMA, FEMA. It's uh, to try to invest to take advantage of some opportunities in the disaster recovery effort. That's their second ETF after the first one was UFO, as Andrew was just explaining. Kind of take advantage of all the investment that is going on in space. So some cool thematic ETFs out there. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at P.T. Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.